Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohio. Welcome back. Uh, this is the first podcast I'm recording on my own for 2022. So uh, hopefully you've been enjoying the episode so far. Um, I think we've had some some really strong ones already this year, and there's plenty more to come. But uh, but yeah, this episode is a quick update on the market and just answering some of the, the questions that we've been sent in recently. So a quick Q and A. So the most common question I'm getting at the moment um, is how has 2022 started? Um, how is the market and uh, how buoyant are opportunities out there in ANZ? And uh, I think most people will know, um, most people in the market at the moment will know and will have seen that there's plenty of opportunity out there. The market has started um, very, very strongly, probably um, got up to speed quicker than, than it ended last year, maybe even in fact. Um, and we're seeing large volumes of opportunity really across the board. I predicted that there would be uh, steady, steady uh, opportunities uh, across the year, and I think it's it's kind of overachieved in in the sense that there, there's more opportunity now than I was, I was probably expecting there to be at this time of year. The the January market was still quite busy, um, sometimes in Australia in particular, with Australia Day towards the end of of the, um, the the month in January. Sometimes it can take a little bit of time to get up to speed. We actually um, saw opportunities even through the um, the, the Christmas period. Um, we we were having people interviewing right up until up until Christmas, and uh, actually secured an offer for someone on the first working day of January, which was the fourth of Jan, I think. Um, so yeah, the market didn't really slow down too much, but uh, it's definitely accelerated over the course of January and into February. We are seeing opportunity really across the board. So it's been an interesting um, market for administrators recently as well. Um, I I think quite often we see a really large volume of technical opportunities in the market, but it's been really healthy and really um, rewarding for a lot of people that have have been plugging away, uh, building their careers in the Salesforce ecosystem and getting into the admin space. We've actually seen quite a lot of opportunity opening up for for admins, both senior and also uh, more junior people, which has, has been really great to see. So um, we've seen a few companies uh, really struggling to hire administrators, uh, really struggling to find the right people for their teams. And a lot of the time that hasn't come down to people, a lack of uh, people with, with certifications or a lack of um, Salesforce knowledge is actually struggling to find people that have the soft skills. So the training skills, the communication skills, the empathy, uh, the understanding of, of dealing with different stakeholders and, and different levels of Salesforce experience, I guess. So people that can really um, appreciate that the challenges that a business u- user may face with Salesforce and then communicate effectively with those people. That's what we've found to be um, some of the gaps in the market when companies are looking to hire Salesforce admins. And that's definitely an area that I feel more people should be you know, upskilling in or, or, or really sharpening their skills in, in the area of communication and, uh, and those soft skills, or, or some people call them tough skills because they're harder to train. Um, but yeah, that's an area that I feel there's there's a bit of a lack of of, uh, of numbers in terms of volume of, of people with um, with those skills in in the market right now in that admin space. Um, so it's an area that people should be really focusing in on and uh, and developing their skills. Developers uh, are still in high demand. Um, you know, we're still seeing lots of opportunity for for developers, for technical architects, for solution architects. The market really is is buoyant across the board. 
we're seeing that companies that are, are you know big, small, uh, kind of in between, everyone's kind of hiring at the moment, um, which is uh, is good to see. And um, I know people are, are finding it hard to find talent in lots of different areas, so that's good for candidates and hopefully. But for the candidate base, that will continue because, um, yeah, obviously that's the kind of market that you want to work in where there's lots of demand and, and not a lot of, um, of, of available time. And one of the questions we're, we're getting quite regularly at the moment is what's happening with salaries. Um, so I predicted last year that, um, you know, they'd be steady. I don't think that I didn't expect them to be going up um, too much higher in the, in the short term. And it's interesting because I've had some discussions recently with some consulting practices that actually feel that that salaries have topped out. Um, they're seeing that, that people aren't now looking for higher salaries than they were last year. And I do think that's the case in some areas. I think, you know, um, some of the, the senior developer permanent salaries um, are, are probably the same as what they were through last year. Um, technical architect salaries are, are probably, um, you know, tapping at that kind of level that they were pushed up to last year because they, they did really shoot up and as the developer salaries uh, and I don't think it's uh, healthy if we continue seeing the same amount of growth in those salaries in the short term so I do think some have, have tapped out I think where where it's uh, it's really interesting at the moment is um, we're seeing some people that are being hired into roles that are maybe more senior than than they have the experience for but then also achieving the salary um, that was on offer for that role at a more senior level so there was an example this week where I, I heard of Someone that has a couple of years experience had uh, had been offered a role with a different company to the one they were working for and achieved a pay rise, um, which was, I think, about 40% higher than they were um, they were earning in the, the, the current role. And that pay rise actually was, um, was going to give them a, an equivalent salary to the senior person um, that they were working with in their current business. Now, the, the gap in experience between these two people was about eight years of experience. So the person that they are working with in their current organization was earning about 40% more than them, but with eight years more experience. And they've been able to secure the same salary as that person by moving to a different company and, uh, and potentially stretching themselves a bit into a role that you know maybe they, they aren't quite ready for, um, but the company that are hiring them have obviously been struggling to find people to fill the role um, and have offered it to someone with a couple of years experience. So when we're talking about salaries going up, it's not always um, it's not always just the, the actual market rate or the, the average market salary going up. It can be that some people are getting really big pay rises by moving roles just because they haven't necessarily had a pay rise in their current company for a while or because they're going up into the tier above in terms of seniority. So we are still hearing about big pay rises, um, but doesn't necessarily mean that all salaries across the board are going up. It can just mean that someone's moving from one role to another and, and realizing quite a substantial increase just because of a few different factors. People may have seen, I posted recently about a, um, a Salesforce developer role or a range of Salesforce developer opportunities that were paying huge, huge daily rates in Sydney. There was a lot of um, talk in the market around these daily rates that were being paid. And I felt it was really important to make it clear that this wasn't now the norm. And um, if you haven't seen that post, um, it was touching on the fact that a few roles have been advertised paying $1,500 per day for a developer. Now, this really caused a bit of a ripple around the market because other developers were seeing this and feeling that perhaps they were being underpaid in their current role or seeing it and feeling that they could go out and achieve uh, similar rates of $1,500 per day. Um, and, and knowing what I know about the market, this definitely was um, an anomaly. It wasn't the, the norm. You know, not everyone is paying those kind of rates for developers. In fact, I would say, you know, it's a, it's 
way more than a, a couple to a, well, way more than a few hundred dollars more than the average Salesforce developer is earning in the market. And yet, just because one company might be paying that amount, it doesn't mean that everyone is. And the other thing to realize is that particular company had been looking for talent for a while. They have really, really high expectations. They'd interviewed a lot of people and uh, and had rejected a lot of people. So um, they were hoping to, to increase that rate and uh, lure some of the best developers into to the role um, by paying above market rate. So it's really important to understand that, yeah, just because um, you know there are rates out there that, that might be significantly higher than others, it doesn't mean everyone's going to come up and start paying those kind of rates. So yeah, salaries, I would say, are fairly stable. I don't think we're going to see developer and, and technical architects adding another kind of 20, 30 40 uh, percent on top of what people are earning um, but there will be opportunities to get pay rises by moving between companies and, and then obviously quite likely um, to, to secure counter offers with your current company um, if you do decide to move but as i've said in previous episodes if you're considering a move and the only reason you're looking to move is because of money your first stop should be to speak to your current company about whether or not they can increase your salary by explaining the value that you've been adding um, because yeah, it just saves everyone time rather than going through the effort of getting other offers just in the hope that you will get a counter offer. Another question that's quite common at the moment is whether or not companies are wanting or expecting people back in the office. Um, I think this is case by case. We are seeing companies starting to talk about you know office days more often and more regularly than they have been. There are still companies out there that are willing and, and are comfortable offering completely remote roles. So yeah, depends on on different companies, depends on on you know different industries and things like that. Um, I think speaking to a lot of candidates at the moment, a lot of job seekers, they're kind of just presuming that most roles are going to be remote, um, and we are seeing you know companies now starting to some companies I, I should say um, starting to talk about more frequent days in the office. So as an example, I have a, a Salesforce administrator role in Sydney at the moment, and the preference for that company is to have someone in the office five days a week. And when I explained, you know, that's not the norm now for what candidates are looking for, and um, their reasons for that were because they, um, they, there's a really big emphasis on, on face-to-face communication with the business, and the stakeholders are in the office, and they like to come over to the Salesforce administration team and, you know, talk through their requirements and talk through a report that they might need. Um, and also, this particular company are looking for someone that's relatively junior. So they want someone that's going to be in and amongst the team and learning and, and picking up things from other people. So I can understand that element. And, and yeah, like I said, it, it's really case by case. Other companies are completely comfortable with remotes. So I think it's really important if you are looking at roles and you are discussing roles with companies, recruiters, and so on, and you make your expectations really clear early in the process. And if your expectations are to work from home five days a week, Make sure that everyone knows that when you start the conversation because, uh, yeah, you don't want any surprises. You don't want to find out that when you get an offer, they're expecting you in the office five days a week or um, or, or they're expecting you um, to be in the office more than you're, you're expecting to be yourself. So, yeah, open communication is the best. Um, my guess is that people will probably start ramping up a, a bit more with, with days in the office. I think two to three days in the office per week seems like uh, what a lot of hiring managers are aiming for, but um, but that's not that's no rule across the board. And I think um, some companies are more open and willing to negotiate on that than others. Uh, and like I said, there are companies out there hiring 100% remote. So case by case, and uh, just make sure your expectations are clear when you kick off a process. Tired of wasting time on tedious processes? Try FormAssembly, the secure, all-in-one, Salesforce-connected data collection platform. FormAssembly helps customers streamline and automate data collection processes, 
enabling organizations in all industries to save an average of 55 hours each week on manual data entry. Using the platform's new workflow builder, non-technical users can map entire data collection workflows, eliminate inefficient processes, and make better, faster decisions, all without code or help from IT. Visit www.formassembly.com forward slash talent hub to learn more about the number one enterprise data collection platform for Salesforce. Another question I received recently was um, was from someone that had been offered a role with a company um, that they'd applied for a role directly. They'd gone through the recruitment process. And when they were offered the role, it was actually a fair amount less and um, the salary was a fair amount less than they had um, had explained they were looking for up front and they, they didn't quite understand why that could be the case. So quite often companies will have a salary banding for a specific job title or role. Um, so if you if you think about the, the bigger consulting firms, they may have um, different tiers or different roles within the business starting at like associate, then going to consultant, then senior consultant, then maybe manager, senior manager, director, uh, in some cases, partner. So when you go and you apply for a role and you say, look, I'm looking for, you know, let's say 100,000 plus super as an example, and uh, and then you kick off the recruitment process and, and you go through the recruitment process, you go through all of the interviews and then you get an offer and it's 90,000 plus super and you're wondering why they've wasted your time when, when you were looking for more money up front. Now, the reality is um, they, they're making an assessment on you through the process. So although you might be looking for 100 and the 100 that you're looking for might put you at consultant level and through that process they're looking to establish where they feel that you fit within their bandings now it might be that they go through the two or three stages of interview and they're still not sure or or they get to the final interview and that's when they make the assessment that actually they assess you as an associate so although you're looking for 100k uh, plus super their banding for associate might only go to 95 plus super and in this example they might offer you 90 which is the middle of the road for the associate level uh, meaning that you're not at the top end of associate and uh, they're assessing you as a, an associate level candidate and therefore there's still some growth before you get to that consultant level. So it can be quite frustrating um, when you go through the whole process to get an offer that's less than, uh, than what you're looking for, but it does happen because of these tiers and these bandings and ultimately um, when you say what you're looking for at the beginning of the process, they're only going off of your CV, your LinkedIn profile and, and things like that. They haven't made an assessment at that stage. Um, so yeah, it can be a bit of a waste of time for for you if you're not comfortable negotiating. But stay firm, and um, you know if if you feel that it's the right role for you, but you do need to be paid hundred um, k as an example, then just put that forward and, and make sure that that they understand why. And and obviously um, that there might be opportunities to negotiate, or in some cases things like sign on bonuses and things like that. So um, so yeah, don't um, don't be too put off if that's the case. You can still try to negotiate. Obviously, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But um, but yeah, these things happen, unfortunately, and uh, it's hard to kind of stop them from happening because uh, it, it's really difficult to make that assessment on what you will um, or how you will fit in with their bandings without um, going through the whole interview process. If you do want to avoid that, you can just be really clear up front that you, know, you don't want to waste anyone's time. This is your expectations. You won't move for any less and um, you don't want to go through the whole recruitment process if, if it's likely that that, that could happen. Uh, unfortunately, it might mean you miss out on opportunities. But um, yeah, some people would prefer um, to, to just uh, you know cut their losses early on, um, and uh, potentially they can um, they can maybe shorten the the process and 
and make an assessment after round one and, and see where you fit in with their bandings before you then go through you know, any further interview processes. So yeah, it's a difficult one to manage. It does happen. Uh, I completely understand why it would be frustrating, but, um, but yeah, it's difficult to kind of overcome that or, or change that process. We're asked, being asked regularly now if, um, if companies are providing sponsorship. So this is for people that are outside Australia um, and, uh, and perhaps are looking to, to relocate or, or New Zealand as well, outside of New Zealand as an example. So obviously it was difficult over the last couple of years to secure a role in Australia or New Zealand without um, being able to travel here. Um, we are now starting to see companies um, looking at the overseas markets again. We are seeing some people coming in on visas now. Um, we are hearing that companies are more willing to, to look at, um, at specific skill sets and, and roles and, and job responsibilities with the, the overseas talent pool. Um, I've always said that it, it's really difficult to get sponsorship unless you have skill sets in certain areas. So, you know, I, I don't think I've ever in my uh, seven or so years in the Salesforce recruitment market seen a Salesforce administrator um, be brought in from overseas and sponsored uh, on, a, a, on a work visa to join a, a, an end customer, as an example, because typically, um, yeah, people are, aren't sponsoring for, for those kind of roles because historically there has been Salesforce administrators in the local market that people are able to hire. And also there is a relatively big cost involved in, in sponsoring visas. I'm not heavily involved in that space myself, but recently speaking to a consulting firm, um, they were shocked at the costs that were involved. Um, and, and when they told me what they were, it was a lot higher than I was expecting as well. So I do see people being sponsored, but in my experience, it's typically for senior developers, technical architects, and some functional consultants. It's quite often with consulting firms, and there are a few end customers that will sponsor as well, but that's where I've seen them the biggest volume of sponsorship opportunities. Um, and typically, they're looking for people you know, with north of five years experience and, and some really specific or, or recent um, specialized skills and, and experience. So you know, looking for developers with really strong LWC experience or, um, or technical architects, you know, and solution architects and functional consultants and, and people that have worked on, on complex projects and solved complex problems before uh, and been doing it for several years. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's difficult to get sponsorship unless you fall into those areas and, um, and also difficult if you haven't got, you know, a, a lengthy period of time under your belt delivering Salesforce projects in one of those roles. I was asked recently about contracting, and I think um, we, we have a blog on our website that kind of outlines the differences between PAYG and PTY when, when contracting in the Australian market. But I was asked an interesting question by someone that had never contracted before, um, and they were asked whether or not they could contract to more than one company at once. So I, I posted on LinkedIn recently that there, there is a difference between contracting and freelancing. Um, typically, when you are hired as a contractor, you are hired um, on like a, a daily rate. So the expectation is that you work, say, eight hours per day um, and during core, core working hours. So, um, so yeah, when, when people, and there are examples of people that have um, managed more than one contract at once, and uh, it does quite often come out. Um, and ultimately, no one is happy in that arrangement because ultimately it's kind of like the equivalent of having two permanent roles at once. You know, both companies would be expecting you to work from, say, nine to five, both companies would be expecting you to be available for meetings and, and working on their tasks and, and, and their deliverables in, in the core business hours. So if you're kind of balancing two different roles, um, ultimately, without telling anyone, then uh, yeah, it's not the most professional thing to do. And it's kind of something that you would get a bad reputation for doing if it came out. 
Freelancing is a bit different. Freelancing is um, maybe you can have multiple freelancing engagements going at once because you're ultimately um, responsible for delivering a set number of hours or a set um, a number of deliverables within a period of time. And then you're, you're more free to kind of manage your diary, your time and your commitments. Unless obviously in that freelance contract, it says that you have to work specific hours. Um, but yeah, freelancing is kind of project by project or hour by hour um, basis. And, um, and quite often when people are freelancing, they might have three or four different clients that they're supporting or delivering projects for at once. So um, maybe that's something to look at if you are looking for variation in your work and, and you know, you don't want to be kind of tied to, to core business hours, then looking at freelancing projects may be a route for you. But if you are just looking to kind of maximize your earning potential and, and you know, take multiple contracts at once and, and, and pretend that you're doing the eight hours on each of them, but really you're doing a few hours on 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 uh, different projects at once. I definitely don't re- recommend it. I've never seen it end well, um, and uh, and yeah, it's not something that you really want to be known for doing. So yeah, that's uh, that's really an overview of the kind of questions I've been getting recently, um, an overview of what's happening in the market and how 2022 has kicked off. Um, I really hope you're enjoying the podcast still. Um, if you've got anything you'd love to hear on here, any guests that you'd love to to hear from on the show, then. I'm I'm very much um, welcome to hearing from you and and hearing any recommendations. Um, We've got some some other um, excellent podcast episodes coming through soon. We've also got our our market survey coming up. Um, We've been collecting and collating the the, um, the input from from the ANZ Salesforce community. So really excited to bring that to market later on in the year. And uh, yeah, hopefully the year continues as it has started and I wish you all a successful um, uh, year and uh, obviously looking forward to working with as many of you as possible. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible and your reviews will help us do that. 